Hey, Cornerstone family, it's Monday, March the 29th, and we are in Passion Week, and I'm so excited. I'm hearing from so many of you that are keeping up with and going to complete the entire Bible reading plan this week. Others of you that are reading the New Testament, we've got teens and kids who are doing their reading plans, and so super excited to hear that and and to have been on this journey together. And we've got a great week planned for you. Thursday night, we have a college service at 8 o'clock. Dr. Beth Grant will be our guest, and then this next Sunday, two services to celebrate the resurrection at nine o'clock and 11 o'clock. And I just want to encourage you to make plans, uh, invite friends, family now to be with you uh, next Sunday to celebrate the resurrection. It's going to be a great time together. Well, we're going to be landing in the Gospel of Matthew for most of this week. We intentionally designed this reading plan so that most of you will be reading Matthew as we approach Resurrection Sunday. And so I'm going to land there most every day this week talking to you from the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, today's passage is not really from the passion narrative of Matthew, but rather just before the passion narrative, there's a great discourse. Matthew records four great discourses of Jesus in his gospel. And this is the last of those four great discourses, four great series of teachings by Jesus. And this one uh, is the entire 18th chapter of Matthew, but what we're going to read is about the last 14 verses, beginning in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. It's a fairly self-explanatory passage of scripture, but I want to make some devotional comments and then pray with you. So Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21, it says, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So really this parable, this teaching of Jesus, this this discourse is about the the challenge of of forgiveness and how we ought to deal with forgiveness in in our lives. And we we know we ought to forgive. We know we ought to forgive our neighbors. We know we ought to forgive. But I think we often forget how tied to our forgiveness 
is the forgiveness that we give to other people. Now, understand, this is not just Jesus saying you need to forgive and forget. Just bury your feelings, you know, build up resentment against someone and just forgive and forget. This is Jesus saying that we should never give up on making forgiveness and and reconciliation our goal. It should always be our goal to reconcile. It should always be our goal to forgive. I've often taught about the concept of active forgiveness, that forgiveness is not something we just do once and then we forget and move on. But every time something comes up in our spirit, we need to actively forgive. We need to say it out loud. We need to pray through it every time until that feeling of resentment, that feeling of of, of anger never comes back. And, and it's so fascinating to me because there's this lesson that's not so subtle. Um, But Jesus is basically saying, if you don't forgive, then your heavenly father will refuse to forgive you. And certainly we don't want that. And that seems so harsh. And it seems like maybe it's contrary to what the rest of the gospels say. Like, how can this be the thing that keeps God from forgiving us? But the reality is that we've been given buckets of forgiveness over and over again, God has forgiven us. Jesus has forgiven us. And when we forgive someone else, it's like taking one tiny drop out of our bucket of forgiveness and giving it to someone else. It's like the difference between this debtor who owed millions of dollars and the guy who owed him a few thousand dollars. The difference is so massive that it can't be missed, that what God is asking us to do is just take a little bit of the forgiveness that we've been given and dole it out to someone else, give it to someone else. And I love this analogy. N.T. Wright said uh, that forgiveness is like the air in our lungs, that we can't take more in until we've expelled what's in there out. And I, I love that. It's like the air we breathe. So in other words, for me to breathe my next breath, I have to let go of the breath that's currently in my lungs. And that's what forgiveness is. For me to receive forgiveness, I've got to let go of the forgiveness that God's already given me. I've got to give it to someone else. I've got to push it out of my lungs to someone else so that I can then take in the forgiveness that God wants to offer me. And so this challenge of forgiveness, I think it's incredibly important, the placement of this in Matthew's gospel. We're getting ready to talk about the passion. We're getting ready to talk about the the people who did Jesus wrong, the people who who put him on trial, who falsely accused him, who who hung him on a cross. And what does Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So Jesus is not just talking the talk. He's walking the walk. He's doing what he's telling us to do. He's forgiving people who've wronged him in a way that none of us have ever been wronged. He's forgiving the guy who owes him a million dollars. And we are just to forgive those around us with these relatively, comparatively minor offenses. And so I want to challenge you with that today. As we approach Resurrection Sunday, clear your life of things that you haven't forgiven. Clear your life of those people that you haven't forgiven. Actively forgive. What do I mean by that? I mean, if you forgave them years ago and you said you forgave them, but you're still holding it in your heart, get to a place of prayer and actively clear that from your spirit. Because what I don't want is I don't want you to walk into services on Resurrection Sunday and have a cloud of unforgiveness hanging over your head. Breathe out that forgiveness that God has already given you so that you can breathe in fresh and new the forgiveness that he has for you. Because after all, it's just a tiny drop. 
just a tiny drop of the forgiveness that we've been given that we are in turn called on to give to someone else. It's a difficult lesson. It's a difficult lesson because we're not wired to forgive. This is one of those kingdom principles that is the inverse of what the world does. It's It flips the world on its head. In the world, you don't forgive someone who owes you a million dollars. You hold them accountable. You sell them off, as the text says. You sell, the, you sell them. You sell everything they have until the debt is paid. You throw them in debtor's prison. That's what the world does. Jesus says the kingdom's not like the world. The kingdom of heaven is one that is turned inside out and that we are to forgive and that our forgiveness from God is contingent on our forgiveness of other people. And it all goes back to that question that Peter asks to begin with. Lord, how often should I forgive someone? Seven times? And Jesus' point is, if you're still keeping count, you're not doing it right. If you're still keeping count, then you need to let go. Jesus is 70 times seven. It doesn't mean that we should give 490 times. It means forgive until you've lost count of how many times you've forgiven. Stop counting. Stop keeping track because all you're doing then is just postponing the bitterness and the revenge and the, and the anxiety in your spirit. Stop counting and actively clear that forgiveness from your spirit. Let go and and let God begin to work in you. Receive fresh and new the forgiveness that he offers you. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you that we have buckets of forgiveness as reminders of all that you have you have forgiven us. And so Jesus, I pray today that you would give us the grace to take little drops of that and 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 drop it in people's lives around us that we wouldn't be that wicked servant who was forgiven of so much and yet held his friends, his debtors accountable for what they owed him. Let us forgive fully and freely as you have demonstrated to us that full and free forgiveness. Thank you Jesus for forgiving me. In Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Have a great week.